Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 14. Before making an important decision in life, enter into your inner temple of silence and there consult your higher self. If your mind is focused, you may get your answer in an instant. Direct your question to God through the spiritual eye in your forehead. The answer will then appear in your heart as a deep, calm intuition. If you are not yet sure, ask, is this the right decision? If not, what ought I to do? The correctness of the answer will depend on how one-pointedly you focus your energy. Some people take months to reach a conclusion they might have reached in a moment, if they concentrated deeply. Often they reach wrong conclusions anyway, simply because they expected their answer to be reasonable. Well, this is a lifetime of study. You know, if you if you really just want something to work with, just put November 14th up, you know, on your mirror and just read it every morning. Because, you know, being able to receive, trust, and know that you have genuinely, that you are genuinely operating from higher guidance is an extremely high-level aspect of the spiritual life. Um, it's, there was a period of time when I was teaching classes, and some of these classes are available on um, my Asha Nayaswami YouTube channel, how to know and trust your inner guidance, how to pray so God will answer, developing intuition. There's just a lot of different words that are all related to this. And they're all the filling out of what Swami is writing here. Swami's summarizing the process of getting higher guidance, but it's a very um, subtle process. And it's very susceptible to misunderstanding because the problem is, and, and I, I appreciate the way that Swami writes it emphatically as if it's just this is what you do and this is how you do it, and he's absolutely correct. But we have many different inner voices and that's where the difficulty comes from. Often we go inside to the inner self, we get an emphatic inner answer. But is it a subconscious? Is it a, just a plain conscious, reasonable answer? Or is it a superconscious answer? And that's where the subtlety comes. Swami talks about going into inner silence and contacting your higher self, not just one of the many selves that competes for attention within you. Um, people tend to think of themselves, if we're going to think in terms of athletics, as like a long-distance runner. But, but that which I call I is more like a whole soccer team. And I am all the players. I'm the star, and I'm the doofus who sits on the bench. I mean, I'm just all of it simultaneously. And, and you want to be sure and give the ball to the one who can score, not to the one who's just going to roll it under the bench and just sit on it and not do anything with it. So this whole process of getting guidance is very subtle. And... I have a certain intuitive sense, but by no means 
And I have to just be honest, I can't just sit down like Swami said and concentrate and there's the answer. I sit down and concentrate and I do feel in the end, much of the time, I do operate from an intuitive sense of inner guidance, but God knows mistakes are also easy to come by. The ego is very subtle. Delusion is very subtle. So it was in one of these contexts, and this is where I'm going. I was teaching classes on intuition, and I'd given, you know, given my little all for the class that I was giving. And afterwards, someone came up to me with great enthusiasm and summarized for me what they had learned in my class, which was pretty much the opposite of what I had been trying to teach. It was, it was a very dramatic example of how creatively we listen. I, I listen very creatively also. Creative, by that, I, I, that's not a compliment. That means that people will say something and I will hear what I want to hear. That's, that's the, you know, reason follows feeling. We're just, we're just guided by, and, and this, we're sincere, this just happens. We, we're really sure that's what we heard, but it's not necessarily what was said. So in the class, that's what happened. And later that same day, I was talking to Swamiji on the telephone and I told him that I, uh, you know, what had happened in the class, and I just didn't know what to do about it. So I said my decision was, I am never going to teach another class on how to develop intuition. Never. I'm never going to do it. And it was really interesting how Swami responded. He gave me no sympathy. None. And, you know, Swami's not above um, chuckling over human foibles in a loving way, but he, he knows what human nature is like, and he's amused by the human zoo like all of us are. He said, Asha, developing intuition is the most important thing on the spiritual path. He said, you have to help people practice it because eventually they'll get it right. And I mean, I took that really seriously. In other words, we just have to keep trying. And part of what helps us to get right intuition is to be humble about the possibility of being wrong. And one of the ways that I myself work with it and have tried to tell others is, the very nature of superconscious guidance is that it's, it's, it's a very fine vibration. And we receive it in a very subtle way inside ourselves. Swami so says you project the question from the spiritual eye, you receive it in the heart. We're talking about very subtle vibrations of energy. Master wrote a book, he called it Whispers from Eternity. I always wished he'd called it neon billboards from eternity so that you didn't have to listen so carefully. You could just open it and it would shout at you. But what happens is, and I've made the same mistake, we get a true intuition, but then we get so excited about it that we take that in intuition and we immediately declare it in this concrete, unchangeable way. This is what I was told to do. This is what God told me to do. And even in that tone of voice, we've already lost the connection. Because the other thing about intuition is that it's a move, it's, it's a flow of energy. It's not just a fixed position, it's, a, it's guiding us in how we should think and be and act. So sometimes intuition is to go a certain distance in a certain way, and then a new reality will express itself and will make a turn. But if we've concretized that into I am supposed to go east, we'll just sail right by the intersection where we were supposed to turn north because we'll have shifted it from the sensitivity of superconscious intuition into something quite different. So we need to be 
committed. We have to have courage. We need to follow intuition as we understand it. But we also have to remain constantly open in this. I was involved in a project at Ananda for 18 months at Ananda Village. Um, For various reasons, we wanted to get control over our own land use on the thousand acres of land we had. And we were in the unincorporated part of the county. So the county planning, the county board of supervisors or the county planning department had control over land use on our property. And that was not working for us because we were innovative. We were completely different and they just didn't know how to handle us. So the the one form of government that had control over its own land use is a municipality, a city. So we're a thousand acres and we look really like a farm. We don't look quite like a farm, but we sure don't look like a city. But technically we qualified. So for 18 months, I was one of the lead spokespeople, I and two other women who were both attorneys and I, um, worked in this incredible effort in this rural county to try to get our little community declared its own municipality. And it was an extremely contentious. The, the final hearing was held in an, and this is, was a small county, in a, 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 a hall, the largest hall in the county that held 800 people. And we had the decision-making board up there, the seven-person board, and almost everyone in the room was against what we were doing except us. Um, these are all just these are just the backgrounds, but it was intense, very intense for eighteen months. That's all I did. We lost, and we had this idea. We we were we were robbed. <laughs> the the um, decision was made on religious grounds, which was not permitted. Lots of other things. I was I was bringing a news team to speak to Swami Kriyananda about this because it was a national story by that point for various reasons. We brought the news team. There were no telephones at Ananda at that point. I brought the news team in, telling them all the way, taking them to Swami's house, how we were going to fight this in court, that they were not allowed. It was a religious discrimination. Their own state attorney told them they couldn't use religion as a criteria. Um, And then Swami gets on the television and he begins on the filming. He begins to read the statement. And I'm very attuned to words. And in the first two sentences, I can see that we're dropping the project. (laughs) So I get uh, with, then they turn the camera right on me. Fortunately, I'm quite adept with words. And I immediately talked about, yes, of course, we're dropping the project because why would we go forward in this way after all, you know, because and then I get in the car and I talk to the people all the way back down because Swampy's house was two miles back on a dirt road. Yes, about how we're, you know, we're just like, now is the time. And These were newscasters from Sacramento, which is the capital of California, and they were used to politicians. <laughs> so they didn't even seem to notice that I had flipped over. So I flipped over and I said goodbye to them. Then I get back in the car and I go up to Swami's house and it was like, What? And he sort of laughed a little. He said, well, there was no way to reach you, which was true. There was no way to reach me. We, communication like we have now just didn't exist. He's, and he sort of, with a little twinkle in his eye, said, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I said, what happened? He said, I meditated on it this morning, and I asked Master, what should we do? And Swamiji said, I agree that the process was corrupted, that if we really went to court, we were right. He said, 
But I felt that we're, we're still not supposed to do this. It had to do with church and state overlap. He said, in fact, he said, I think it, they, made, they made the right decision for the wrong reasons, is how he put it. And I mean, there's much more to this story. So I said to Swami, well, I'm the one who's been working on this project for 18 months. I said, why didn't Master tell me? Swami said, did you ask? I said, no. I just assumed it. And then he just didn't say anything, just looked at me. I said, fatal mistake, wasn't it? He said, yes. Just like that, you see, because I had concretized it and assumed if it was true yesterday, it was true today. Now, that doesn't mean that you just constantly pull the root of the plant up and just seeing if it's growing. It's more of an inner attitude. And what happened at that point, it was very interesting because it had been so contentious. You know, I had a very interesting experience. What am I attached to? You know, am I attached to doing this because I feel it's what God wants me to do? Or am I attached to doing it because I want to do it? And so I had to go through that and I realized, no, I just want to do it if it's God's will. I don't want to just do it because I think it's a good idea. And fatal error. Thank goodness that Swamiji was there. And as we worked our way through it, I also saw the reason. It didn't come to him as reasonable. But once it came to him, he saw the reason behind it. Because just because something transcends reason doesn't mean that if it's unreasonable, it must be divine either. And these are all the, this is why I give so many classes on this subject. These are all the the fine lines. So then I realized, just for fun, I realized that I didn't mind losing. That was okay. But I, I held on for a while that I didn't want them to win. And so I became attached to having them not win. And then after another day or two, I thought, what do I care? It's just, it's just not my problem. But oh, but, this, but the lesson about intuition has really stayed with me. And even no matter how Clearly, I feel what I'm doing. I always just say, is today the same as yesterday? Is there something today that I could hear that I didn't know about yesterday? And again, I'm committed. Uh, I'm committed to what I'm doing. I'm not constantly doubting what I'm doing. But what I'm committed to is following divine guidance. And as long as it's the same, I'll just keep going. But you want to be ready in a moment to hear God's voice and not be making so much noise yourself that he can't, even if he shouts at you, you don't know it. Before making an important decision in life, enter into your inner temple of silence and there consult your higher self. If your mind is focused, you may get your answer in an instant. Direct your question to God through the spiritual eye in your forehead. The answer will then appear in your heart as a deep, calm intuition. If you are not yet sure, ask, is this the right decision? If not, what ought I to do? The correctness of the answer will depend on how one-pointedly you focus your energy. Some people take months to reach a conclusion they might have reached in a moment if they concentrated deeply. Often they reach wrong conclusions anyway simply because they expected their answer to be reasonable. God bless you. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.